Welcome to The Brew. We talk to rock stars, sporting legends, CEOs and business owners, all with incredible stories to tell. This is episode 10, Kate Carnell, the Australian small business and family enterprise ombudsman. Kate shares her incredible personal story and her drive for justice for small business. Here's Kate. Uh, welcome, Kate. Thank you very much for having it's me a, today. It's a big title. No, it's a horrible title. It's a big title. A- it's a big as, job. As B.O.? As Biffio. As Biffio. No, we're not going to use yeah, that. No, no, we don't like horrible. that either. We- so I'm really excited because, Kate, you're in a, a pop-up studio in my small business. Isn't that exciting? In the middle of George Street. Amazing. And we don't have a roof because we couldn't afford the air conditioning. Uh, under, I got is, it. Is one reason. But the other reason is we wanted to hear the small business in the background as well because we're a small business station. And with you, Kate, in particular, it's because you've been a small business owner. Yes. Um, then you've started to become involved in lots of different associations, a whole other world there. Yeah. Then into politics, then out of politics and heading up a lot more organisations. Yes. And then finally, right now, but I'm sure that's just another beginning of the chapter, you're now in the ultimate role of advocacy for small business. It's an absolute dream role, dream job for me. You have a big job ahead of you. I do. You do know, you know that. I do. Uh, and a lot of expectation. Yep. So you know that too. That's, that's good though. Every time I've ever seen you over the years, it's as, is in a, popping up in a different role here and there. That's right. Um, but, and that, that's the diversity of anything to do with small business, which True. you inevitably, in, in all of your morphs of life, has always had some connection. That's true. To small business in some way. Absolutely. So let's, let's start from the beginning. You're in Queensland. Yes. Did you have a life calling to become a pharmacist? Probably not, I'd have to but, say. But why? Um, I was doing medicine, was working mm. in our local pharmacy and just really loved it, loved running the business. So I thought, well, you know, I can go and run the run a business in the health space and get both sides of the agenda, really. So health's always been something that I really like being involved with. It's a challenging area, challenging policy space. Lots of small businesses around health. It matters to all of us, especially as, you know, ageing's happening and trying to get proper services happening in the ageing community. So, look, um, so it just sort of came together that pharmacy was something I really liked. I swapped to pharmacy um, and there you go. bought my first pharmacy when I was 25. So we, those of us who have long-term experience and association with pharmacies because of either aging parents or yeah. any other reason we know that pharmacists know a lot more about meds yeah. than the doctors who write the prescriptions look that's really true but that's you'd expect that pharmacists focus on that that's the expertise fascinatingly though i think pharmacists know their customers pretty well yeah. too people will tell their pharmacists things that they often don't tell their doctor and i think they always think the doctor's so busy that they don't have time Whereas you have a chat with your pharmacist often about the kids and, you know, the ageing parents. Yeah. and But the they learn things that's, that can often be important absolutely. to the medication that they're getting. Um, and to life generally. Yeah. So it's fascinating how often as a pharmacist, and I own my own businesses for 20 years, so yeah. a long time, that you rang the doctor and said, hey... If you can if, get through. You know, if you can get through, spot on, you know... Um, do you think this was quite the right way to go with, with somebody? Now, most of the doctors I knew well were quite comfortable with that approach because it was a team deal. 
together we could, um, I suppose, provide a better treatment outcome for patients than we could on our own. So pharmacists can really fit into that into that category and primary health care, managing people, trying to keep people out of the health system will become more and more important. So pharmacy's got a future, but it's got to change. Like, like most business models. Absolutely. Do you think that some of the um, health challenges you faced early on in your life influenced you? Look, it did. I had anorexia nervosa, so I was in hospital for quite a long time when I was a teenager, which meant I spent a lot of time with counsellors and psychiatrists and so on. Now, that could have made me better or worse. Anyway, um, it certainly meant that I had a different adolescent um, time. I met a whole lot of people that I would not normally have met. I spent some time in the Prince Henry adolescent unit with lots of people who were you know, had significant mental health issues, also people who had problems with drugs and other things. So I met a whole lot of people that in my somewhat protected Anglican school background may not have met. And I think I think that helped. I actually think that made me a lot more accepting of, uh, of humanity and also uh, maybe broader in my views on the world, more, ex- you know, and not as much known at that time about eating disorders. No. Certainly didn't call it that. No, look, it was um, it was a really difficult time. I have to say, probably more difficult for my parents. Yeah. You know, really, no one, and still, it's really hard to understand why someone can't put some food in their mouth, chew it up, and swallow it. Really, I mean, it seems like the most normal thing. But for somebody with an eating disorder, that can be a mountain too high to climb. And so it's um. You know, having having become quite close to mental health issues generally, as having one myself, um, I think it has made me a better person. And certainly prepared you, I think, maybe for the, the small business challenges because you, you cannot be a small business owner and have an easy ride. Look, you can't and you have to understand people and you have to, well, the hardest thing about running a business is running your staff, let's be fair, by a country mile. Yep. Uh, so understanding a broad range of people, their needs, their requirements, how do you motivate them, how you communicate with them is the fundamental part of any small business. And I think my time um, with anorexia and then for the rest of my life supporting mental health issues, I ran Beyond Blue for a while. That's I was right. on the Beyond Blue board for, still am on the Beyond Blue board. So I really think that's helped helped me significantly. Do you, do you think because you faced those challenges that you had more empathy then, either yep. for your staff or the circumstances, were you more lenient than you should have been because of...? Um, I don't, look, I don't think so because I don't, um, I, I get mental health issues. Yep. Um, they're not an excuse. You know, you can't use, oh, I'm stressed as an excuse <laughs> for, you know, why you can't do stuff. It's um, a good reason to have a glass of wine. Oh, it's a very good, and I use I use that That's quite a lot a good excuse, for that, that purpose. One, yeah. But um, I think it has made me hopefully more empathetic, more understanding that on you know what might be causing a problem for for people. You know, we know that one in four Australians will experience a mental health problem at some stage in their lives. Now that means, you know, looking out at the at the cafe here, you know, twenty staff. That means you'll today have somebody with clinical depression and possibly two people suffer, suffering from anxiety. So the importance of seeking help early when you know there's something wrong mm. is really important because I tell you what, mental health issues that get out of control can bring businesses to their knees. And families. And families and everything, and everything. So maybe the message today is if you're feeling 
you're just not feeling right, you know, go and talk to someone. Someone. Because that's a start. That's right. So you're a pharmacist, a small business owner, and suddenly you start to become involved in bureaucracies. Yes. And associations. Like the Pharmacy Guild. Why? Because that's, you know, every association, that's hard work. They are hard work, but my dad, who ran um, a building company, he was an accountant, but he ran a building company, domestic building, with his brother and brother-in-law, always said, you know, you can't whinge unless you're willing to do something about it. So, you know, sort of shut up if you're not if you're not willing to put up. Um, so um, we had a few problems in Canberra with... Uh, in the in there are still a few problems in Canberra. Oh, there are, but, but you had some then. We had yeah. some then, local ones yep. like local development, you know, ranges of things. And so I thought, listening to Dad in my ear, that if I really wanted to do something about it, I had to get involved. So I got involved with the local chamber of commerce, right? Um, and and in the local, we didn't have a pharmacy local branch of the pharmacy guild. We we're part of New South Wales, so we had to set one up. So I had to. Because that happens a lot in Canberra. Yep. There's not always local branches. That's you right. Feed off around. So we had to um, rally the troops and uh, get our own branch up and running because a lot of the issues were quite ACT focused yeah. rather than New South Wales focused. So I did that. Became national vice president of the guild. Um, first woman. Still got a problem in the pharmacy guild. This is a profession that's predominantly female. And has very few female in representations in the guild. Wow, which is really a problem. Uh, Did your political passions become ignited because of geography, and then because of you know being in the guild? And then did you, you know, did did someone pay you a visit one day and said we want you? They did. Right? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. No, that's Uh, usually how. Well, I wasn't a member of a party. Yeah. Um, So you're an uh, anomaly. um, So I wasn't a member of a political party, but was you know heavily involved in small business politics, I suppose. And a group of ACT business people came to see me at one stage and said, look, Kate, we really, really need some capable women to stand for the, um, the ACT assembly. Um, we think you'd be really good. You know, we've seen you, you know, do the, the various things you, you, you're doing and, you know, we need some people who are small business friendly. I said, um, help me here. I've just, you've just gone into my second or third pharmacy at that stage you know I've got a couple of small kids they get they came to see me I said well why would I do that um, I don't just don't think I've got time and a few weeks later they came back and said we're giving you a chance to put up or shut up um, and we'll support you um, in your pre-selection stroke uh, on the election and I don't know what to say to that what do you say um, no I'm too much of a woozer so I joined the Liberal Party nine weeks before pre-selection. Luckily got pre-selected with the help of that group of people um, and uh, went on and to if you, be a poly. If, if you follow that line of you being a poly, it walk, that road walks towards you being Chief Minister. Yeah. Which is Premier of Canberra, right? That's right. Yeah. Even though we don't use that no. terminology about Canberra. They have to have their own words, do they? We have to. The Northern Territory and the ACT have Chief Ministers because they're not states. So you, you're Chief Minister, but you take on other portfolios as well while yes. you're Chief Minister. And health is one of them. Health's one of them. Treasury, because if you're going to take health, you need Treasury. Do you, right? Because you want to pay, pay for it. it. That's it. Not God. stupid. Good um, idea. <laughs> um, and um, economic development, yeah. those sorts of things. So. so you have a... 
it's a unique uh, place to be the Chief Minister because you take on lots of other roles. It's unusual for a Premier of any other state to take on a portfolio. That's true. Um, so it's quite a big workload. It's quite a big workload, but, you know, there you go. I've had a small business background. I'm used to a workload. Um, the I think the thing, some of the things, I have to tell you a funny story. So I'm Chief Minister and I'm Treasurer. First day... Um, I'm, you know, sitting in the job and the Treasury officials come in and sit down um, on a couch and there was four of them and there was only three spaces on the couch so they had to squash, <laughs> which made them look really silly. And they said, look, Kate, we've got a budget problem, budget black hole, you know, there's a 30-something million black hole that hasn't been clear before today. It just popped up them, um, today. I've since spoken to every single new um, Premier or Chief Minister and Treasury always come to you and tell you about the, That's the first meeting. That's yep. true. And uh, they said, so what we want to do is a 2% above, uh, across the board cut. And I said, so we cut the efficient people the same as the inefficient people. Is that how you do it? They looked at me and went, uh, oh yeah. I said, so how about we zero base and build it up and decide who's good and who's bad? And they looked at me saying, We've got a live one here, boys. <laughs> yeah, because if they're going to make those kind of decisions and choices, then... But it's a classic small business way yeah. to go. You know, yeah, well, you... It's really dumb to say that every bit of your operation is equally inefficient or efficient. So you'd never do that. You'd yeah. look at the areas that were inefficient and cut those or whatever and invest in the ones that you could actually get some positive outcomes from. So did your... Did half of your brain that's small business have the aneurysm explosion now trying to live in the same skull as the politician? It was really interesting. You know, those two, it's it's like being, you know, invasion of the body snatchers because it's a struggle because they are two different worlds. They are two different worlds, but they can overlap much more than they often do. The federal government still thinks that small business is just little big business. And it really isn't. 97% of Australian businesses are small business. So we should put together policy, whether it's tax, industrial relations, whatever, for small business and then add on a bit for the 3% of businesses that aren't small business. You're getting excited talking about this. Your eyes have lit up. I'm feeling the passion and the drive. No one's on this bus with us. Yeah, but we've got lots of... Look, there's a whole lot of people you've got on the bus out there listening to you. Um. We've simply got to change it. And when you start saying that stuff to Polly's, they go, ah, uh, sort of sounds sensible, really. Yeah, they, um, but it's, but isn't it You're going to have to stick that in a dumb sandwich, though. Yeah. You've got to put sensible yeah. in the middle and put it in the dumb bit so yeah. they take a bite and they haven't realised. Look, I think <laughs> that's absolutely get. true. But I'm that, a food person. Yeah, well, so am, I, so am I, really. But it at the, at the end of the day, isn't it stupid? Yeah. We put together you know, tax acts that we could use instead of the door to keep our small businesses open. It's so huge. We simplified our tax system and added 6,000 pages in the simplification process. We simplified our Fair Work Act and and awards and ended up with 950 sections and quarter of a million words and 122 awards. And we expect small business to understand it. And then wonder why when when trouble hits... We all stand there going, but I didn't know. Um, well, why didn't you know? Yeah, didn't you, you read? Use, no, I didn't, yeah. Um, sorry, but it's really yeah, silly. It's, it's sitting on the floor in my lounge room Yeah, well, waiting for that time I get six months of my life I don't care about losing, but 
Well, haven't arrived at that point yet. And nor does anyone, and by the way, we don't want small businesses wasting their time doing that, that we want them to run And neither do half the lawyers that get paid to do that stuff. They wait till something happens to read up on it, that's it. I might add. So that's why you pay them so much. But So anyway. we know that every, well, there's, there's uh, someone once said, and I, I can't quote them, but I'll paraphrase, every great political career ends in failure. Yes. So they say. It's true. When your career hit a bump in the road... How did it feel? Um, it was, uh, look, obviously really difficult. I'd, I'd had a dream run because I was, you know, I went into politics. Within a year, I was leader of the opposition. Within a year, I was chief minister. Um, Liberals don't get elected in the ACT, and we were. Um, and then I was re-elected. And then we had some problems, things like a um, little bit of a problem with a hospital that we yep. uh, imploded. Literally. Well, it, it literally exploded. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was just horrible. Um, I mean... I, I... Hi, everyone. Sorry to interrupt and just jump in here quite randomly. We're taking a quick break just to make sure that we let you know. Like us on Facebook, The Brew. Check out our videos with our brew guests making their favourite coffee behind the machine or at least trying to. And don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes and tell your friends. The Brew. We might make some time and get back to our guest. Horrible. Um, I mean, I, I promise. You got I crucified for that. Oh, we did. Um, I did. Um, and you know, you got you, you lead things. You take the you, you take the heat. You know, you just got to accept that you're at the top. And when there's someone to blame, that's a, f- a fair person to uh, uh, to expect to take the fall. Um, um, that did said, it, that did it hurt? Um, it was a, that was the worst day of my life. All of the stadiums blew out, but Canberra's a little place, and so that was a problem. Um, there was a range of little things that happened. Um, the, the the Canberra hospital implosion was not a little thing. Uh, and we had a minority government, and the people who supported us into government were getting shaky. Uh, so... I decided that it was best for me to resign and take all the mud with me yep. and hand over to my uh, to to my deputy um, who had the still had the support of the crossbenchers. Right. So you know it's that's sort of a well. You made a business decision. I made a business decision. Yeah. Yep. The mud was. I no. I could have stayed and I would have been. I I would have personally been re-elected because the system in the ACT is you know works it, that way. Works that way. But at the end of the day, you know, I given up my best shot did you think your political career was over oh yeah yeah I mean I wasn't going to I'd never planned to be a career politician I was there to you know be for a good time not a long time and and we all wish that many politicians would have that same thought you know this isn't something I want to do for 30 years no matter what hanging on by my and look nails. we shouldn't let our politicians yeah. do that I don't believe you 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 simply can't continue to give what you should be able to give to your electorate and so on, I don't believe, yep. for 30 years or so. And I know there's been some fantastic people who yep. have, but if we want our politicians to have real fire in the belly and be there to really make a difference... And be in touch with what's going on in yep. the real world, because yep. we keep accusing them of being out of touch. That's true. Um, then you can't be there for 30 years because it is a different life. 
really different life. Even though our pollies are out there at fates and you know opening things and all sorts of things all the time, it's not it's not the same. It's not. So for me, I think we should limit terms. So political career is finished. Mm-hmm. You move on uh, as CEO of various organisations. Political because those what those organisations operate that way. So you, you come in with that experience. You know what it's like. But they're not politics. Nope. And then you're involved with Aki, Australian right. Chamber of Commerce, Commerce and Industry. Industry. Yes. And that's a completely that's another political world. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. With all the chambers and, and everyone else involved in that, and every chamber having their own agenda in different states. So you've still got, and you're still around. You're in Canberra. You're yes. still swimming with the piranhas to some degree. Yes. And then you get another nod. Yeah, that's true. A lot of, um, I did a number of jobs, but predominantly because my skill set is as a yeah. change manager. I change well. I steady as she goes badly. So uh, so most of those jobs were, there was a, a job to do to get a show back on the road. And I'm, I think I'm reasonably good at that. So the Australian Chamber job, I had planned to be there for longer than I was, but the nod came to look at the small business and family enterprise ombudsman role. And how do you say no? I mean, this is an extraordinary role. So who got inspired and saw the light to create the role? Bruce Bilson. Right. Now, Bruce was without doubt the best small business minister the country has ever seen on Haven't any heard side. one person say otherwise. Um, and you know why? Because Bruce had run his own business. Yeah. And interestingly, he'd run his own businesses that had ended up actually going broke yep. in the end. So he'd been through the, the ups pain. and downs. He, he knew what pain was all about. Um, you know, as Bruce will often say, you know, it's always, what does he say, the greatest aphrodisiac is lying on the pillow and talking about a bass statement to you because he <laughs> was in business with his wife, you know, or how we were going to pay the staff next week and all those things that we, who have been around small business, know about. Bruce had been there and he'd been th- through a difficult, a business that it hadn't done as well as they'd hoped. Yeah. I mean, they had good times, yeah. but in the end it had gone bad. So he knew... Yeah. Uh, and There was that empathy, and it's not often we get empathy in government. Yep. So he's inspired. He, he knows. He creates this role. He creates the role because he believes that in Canberra, there is simply not enough people who understand what it's like. Yep. So he wanted a role that had um, an advocacy function, so to advocate on behalf of small business, but could also help small businesses when they ended up running up against roadblocks and on the whole big business or government and needed a hand. He needed somebody who was in the tent. So in my Australian Chamber role or other associations role, you're sort of a bit outside the tent and lobbying on behalf of your members. My role is slightly in the tent, although my position is independent. I'm appointed by the Governor-General. I'm not allowed to go broke or mad, but I don't actually, um, you know, I don't actually um, report to the, to the government of the day. But my job is to ensure wherever possible that the government acts in a small, small business friendly way. And what's your term? My term's five years. Right. That's a nice chunk. It's a nice chunk, and yep. I'd have a view that... If you can't, you know, my job is to make this thing fly in five years. So, and not to, I wouldn't be seeking another term. I reckon that's, you know, you've got to focus on getting stuff done and getting the, you know, getting the role to a point where it's so strong that, you know, 
doesn't matter who's next in the in in the gig, but whoever takes over will take over something really solid. So you'll have you'll have done all the the, the hard framework, ground laying the ground, yeah, getting the base ready. Um, but growing it, yeah. g- give it, making sure that it's got profile, that small business use it, because you know I can't do anything so if you, small business don't tell me what they need. You talk about getting justice for small yes. business, and that's that's a big word, Kate. You yes. know, that's often something that we never ever hear as a small business owner that we we want justice. I don't think we even dare say that word out loud. I think access to justice is my biggest single challenge. Are you going to get Are you going to get that for us? Hope so. I mean, when, there's things we can do in that space. Well, now, you know, we can we can, already we can help um, get big businesses to the table for alternate dispute resolution. But I think we've got to look at things like um, how we we allow small businesses to get into the court system without the cost of lawyers. Well, there's some there's some tribunals available to us yes. that have less cost factor yep. than, than that big That's area. Right. And we've we got get, to grow that area. And we get better justice there. And we've got to grow that. Yeah, because it's a fairer playing field. It's still a big chunk of money, but it's not that bottomless pit of money that you look at when you start to go into civil court. It's it's completely different. And, you know, there's not enough acts. I mean, the Retail Leases Act. Yes. In New South Wales. That's a big angst sigh there yeah. of, of why we don't have a federal playing field on you know retail leases uh, there's a million things that need to be looked at there are but having you your office that role and your passion means that we might have a go at establishing those fair terms so i need small businesses to tell me what's on their agenda what's the thing they need in their particular area or the things they need and then we've got to work out how we... How we get it done? How we get the ducks aligning. All right. You know, we touched on the conversation very briefly before we came in the studio. Paid parental leave for small business women. Um, you know... Forgotten. Forgotten. Spot on. So legislation, you know, lots of toing and froing on paid parental leave. But the thing they've forgotten is that small business owners can't have 18 weeks in one go no. um, out of their businesses. We don't get long service leave. No. So for paid parental leave, which you are entitled to as a taxpayer, or small business owners are, if you take a week and then go back into your business for two weeks because something happens, you're not entitled to the rest. And it's fraud if you don't declare it. And it's fraud if you don't declare it. So, so, And we, we need legislation that is, well, again, small business friendly and allows women who have babies who own businesses to have their 18 weeks over a 12-month period whenever they want to have them. As it, as it can be done. As it can be done. As it can be done. Because there are different stages in, in the life of a business. Things can happen in a business, when which I we had, all know. When I had my first baby, I, it was, she was a week early. And uh, so I hadn't quite got my reliever tied up for the pharmacy. <laughs> so I had the baby, got dressed, went and unlocked the pharmacy. And that, that and is the situation. The yeah. yeah. My, I mean, you, you know, we, we swapped some personal war yeah. stories before. And, and my mum was pregnant with me in the cafe. And yep. her waters broke behind the counter and she just kept going. Yep. Because she couldn't leave. There you go. She felt she couldn't leave. As, as strange as it may sound to the entire civilian population... It stuff happens, including having a baby, and it doesn't always work. It doesn't always. Are we, are work. we supposed to not have children because we're women in business? Well, obviously. Well, how would the world populate? That wouldn't be a very good outcome. I don't think so. So we've got to make it 
um, well, more women in small business friendly. Yeah. Uh, and flexible. I don't believe flexible. the government meant to stuff that up. Yeah. I just think that the but public service. But we've got to others, fix it. Yeah. Okay. So that's on the agenda. Banks. Banks. Um, what we need. Um, <laughs> we've, pain, we've, you know, pain. It, it is pain. They don't like small business, Kate. They pretend they like small business. They have departments that they call small business banking. Yep. But, but they're lying. Um, I think that's a fair a fair statement of the of of the experience we've had in doing a small business loans inquiry. You know, when you think that there's that the contract you end up with, you know, eighty pages long with you know it's attachments. It's two foot high. That's it. And nobody would sign it if they actually read it. Um, that's absolutely true. But then. You could read it and then think, I can't possibly sign that. But yeah, you then need you'd never the get money. anything. Yeah. Um, so what what the banks have done over a long period of time is not had a specific contract for small business. So, you know, you get the same contract as big guys who have yep. got in-house lawyers and all sorts of stuff. And all of the risk has been moved from the bank to the small business. Yep. My view is that as a small business person, if you pay what you're supposed to pay every month... Yep then that should be it, really. And what you negotiate at the beginning should be the same all the way through. Yeah, that's, I it's don't know, really call me crazy, Yeah. but then a small business owner knows where they're going. And if the bank decides they don't want to give you a new facility, they have to give you a lot of time yeah. to go and well, find all, somebody all else. all facilities have a term. They do. So if it's a three-year, five-year, 10-year, 30-year term, you know that that's what it is. Yep. But when they can come to you and change... The rules. The rules of that facility and move the goalposts and you have no choice. Apparently, the small business owner in that relationship has no choice. Get your clothes, go home. That's it. Um, and that is the case at the moment. So they, you can end up with um, with the bank coming in and revaluing the assets that you've got your business loan, um, your business loan tied to. So yeah. come and revalue your home, whatever it is. Yeah. All of a sudden tell you that value's gone down. Could you please just cough up with half a million bucks, $100,000, it doesn't matter what it is. And by the way, you've got 10 days. Now, small businesses have yeah, no like, lazy like money. Like it or lump it. That's it. Yeah. Small businesses have no, have, yeah. have no lazy money sitting around waiting for the banks to ask for the money back. So we've got to change it. Um, I, I, frust- I have to say it frustrates me seeing full-page spreads in papers of you know how good the banks are and how lovely they are. When you see what happens in reality, and you know when that valuation happens, the thing that makes it even worse is they charge you for the valuation, and they won't give you a copy. So I've always had a bit of a view: if you pay for something, you've got some yours. form of ownership. ownership. Yep. Thank you. Yep. But not the way. So our recommendations try to get a, try to go to us a, a shorter, a plain English contract, clear undertakings from both sides. On, um, on what's expected. Um, you know, I've got to pay this much and if I do, you won't do bad stuff to me. Yeah. Um, that if there is a valuation required... Sorry, we're talking ethics. So I'm right? talking ethics, right, yeah. moral. In banks. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yep. That one. Um, um, that, we, that it's got to be clear and transparent if they want a valuation 
which they shouldn't be able to do unless it's in the contract. Yeah, you know that's um, right. At the end, the one that not, we signed and agreed to. That's it. Upfront. Um, if they need evaluation and you get to pay for it, then you get to see the instructions to the valuer. You get a copy of it. I mean, just normal And business. we know they have those conversations with the valuer that explain to the valuer where they need that valuation to be. I think that what they, how they, you can get a really different valuation from saying that we just want a valuation on a property or we want a valuation and the, uh, the owner is a distressed mortgagee yeah. who needs to sell quickly. That's a really, really different. Not that those conversations would happen. Never. But they can be... Um, uh, influenced in not very transparent and accountable ways. Um, then you get scenarios where you've got um, clauses in leases that say um, you will keep your turnover above a particular mm. area and then somebody digs up the pavement outside your particular establishment and you can be in default. The moment you're in default, your interest rate doubles. There's a whole lot of those things that aren't all right. No. Got to change. So that's your job? That's my job. Your job is to fix it. Well, for small business and, and family. Mate, give it my best shot. <laughs> well, we, we need more Yep. and you know what we need, but we also have to tell you. Yes. So the message to small business is if you feel that there are things that need to be changed and we know that there are things that need to be changed, we have to tell Kate. We've got a great website, Good. Australian Small Business Family Enterprise Ombudsman, asbfeo.gov.au, horrible name. We'll make sure um, we get it out there, though. Um, but also, if you've got a problem, you know, with, yeah. a big ba- with a bank, with a big business, with a government, we can help. We you, go into you know that, that, that for queue, small business. That queue's going to be really long now. It's okay. Good. That's what we want to hear. It's okay. That's another episode of The Brew. We have been... Very, very privileged to have Kate Carnell here with us today. She made us a coffee. It was a long black and it was actually okay. Well, yours was okay. I think I got the dodgy one. You got the dodgy one. I got the dodgy one. Um, And we're very glad um, that the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman Office has been created, but even more so that Kate Carnell is is driving that ship. And I have very high expectations, Kate. I'll do my best. That's another episode of The Brew. Thanks, guys. Catch you later. Bye. That really was a great brew, Kate. An intense long black. Thanks. Don't forget, everyone, like us on Facebook and watch the videos. Listen to our other podcasts on iTunes, review them and tell your friends. Catch you soon.